Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Amen. Good morning. Isn't God good? Amen. Aren't you thankful for his presence that you feel in this place? Amen. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that at the end of the week we can come into the house of God. Amen. The weight and the pressures, amen, in the presence of God just have a have a tendency to dissipate, don't they? Amen. Aren't you thankful for his peace this morning? Amen. I am too. It's so good to be here. And uh, won't you guys just be seated for a minute? Is that okay? Okay. They're like, yeah, it's 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 great time to sit down. Amen. I, I, Brother Boyd, thank you so much for the privilege it is to be here to this morning. And I realize that many of you may not know that I'm blind. Surprise. <laughs> and so you probably got two questions. Well, how in the world does a blind guy become a missionary? I'm going to tell you that. The other question is, is if you're blind, why are you wearing glasses? I would wear sunglasses, but then y'all wouldn't really take me seriously. You think I'm up here doing my Stevie Wonder. <laughs> but I do use them to protect my eyes a little bit and uh, just a little bit more professional than sunglasses. Amen. Amen. Y'all be up here thinking, oh, Brother Matt thinks he's cool. Amen. I do, but I wouldn't do it like that. Amen. <laughs> Amen. I got to give honor to Brother Kyle for just the work. Brother Kyle, if you don't know, he's the Global Missions Director for Florida. Fantastic job. Amen. Uh, uh, just spent a little bit of time with, with your pastor yesterday, and what a great man. Great leadership. Now, aren't you thankful? Amen. Aren't you thankful for the pastor and for the leadership that you have, amen, in this district and in this church? Amen. I thank God for that. And, and even brother and sister Osborne. I mean, I got to meet brother Osborne this morning, but uh, what a fantastic job sister Osborne has done just taking care of us and making sure. And I really appreciate that. Amen. And my sweet wife, I got to give honor to her. Amen. Amen. I, I call her cutie. Amen. And I tell everyone I wouldn't be where I am without her. And I mean that because she drove us here today. <laughs> you, you don't mind if we have a little bit of fun here today, do you? Is that all right? But you guys want to meet my wife? Is that be all right? Sister Gator, we greet the conference. Praise the Lord, everyone. Um, thankful for to be here today. Thankful for whoever's idea it was to put the signs out there to direct us to the church. Our signal, for some reason, does not work out here very well. I'm like, if I follow those signs, I know I can get back here. <laughs> it's an honor to be here today, and I know Matt's going to share a little bit of his testimony, but I'm going to share a little bit of mine. Um, we got married back in February, 
And God was calling me and laying on my heart to uh, visit Israel while we were dating. And when he did so, it was a, a hard time in my life because I had lost my sister two years previously from an accidental overdose. And my dad was um, diagnosed with a, a rare form of leukemia that took him in six weeks time. And it was during that time that God was calling me and I just had such a, a fear and probably a little bit of anger and just not knowing while I was over there if I'd ever see my dad again. But God uses those broken moments just to just show his glory and reveal himself. One of the first places we got to go to was an, um, an overlook of all of Jerusalem. And that's where God gave me that vision of the disciples going out and giving everything that they had. We're here today and sitting in these seats because they gave their all. They gave their 100%. And just thank God that in the midst of my brokenness and just feeling like I had nothing to give, that God revealed that to me and just giving me that opportunity to pass that word back to, uh, to their ancestors because they gave it to us. So thank you for having us here today. Amen. Didn't the Lord do me good? Isn't she gorgeous? Yeah, I, uh, you know, they say that if you go to Bible school, it's, it's, you're going to build some of the greatest relationships in your life. And it's true. I went to Indiana Bible College, and I made some great friends. And when one of them heard that I was engaged, he knows that I'm Jewish, and he knows that I'm an Israeli citizen. But when he heard that I was engaged, he texted me, and he said, Brother Matt, I guess it's true. And I was like, what's true, brother? And he said, well, I guess it's true that some women will do anything to get Israeli citizenship. You believe he said that to me? And I told him in good Matt fashion, I said, brother, you're just mad because I'm blind and I still get better looking girls than you do. Don't play with me. Amen. It matters what you believe about God. Amen. God will make things right and, and do exceeding and abundant above all you can ask or think. And I'll have you know, me and my wife have been fighting for the last several weeks uh, she doesn't like it because I throw my socks on the floor. And my thing is, if the building catches on fire, I at least know where they're at. You know, I at least I can got to run out there barefoot. I can reach down there and grab my socks. She don't like that. So we've been trying to get a puppy. I've been like, we need a puppy for this or for that. She's like, no, I have to pick up your socks. What am I have to do for the dog? But the Lord has prevailed, and she agreed to get a puppy last night. Amen. So we're celebrating our victories. Amen. Y'all stand for the reading of the word around here? I can tell you. Do we, we do that with me? Stand. We turn to Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3. You're witnessing one creative miracle take place already in the house of God this morning. You're, you're watching a blind man preach from an iPad. And the Lord can do anything. Amen. Exodus chapter 3 verse 7 says this. And the Lord said... I have surely seen the affliction of my people, which are in Egypt. And I've heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. First thing I want you to know is that God sees where you're at. Amen. I know you're wondering, does God even know what I'm going through? Does he not realize the pain and suffering, the affliction and, and all the mess and trials and things like that? that I'm, yes, God knows what you're going through. And I know we're crying out to him, praying. Can, does God even hear what I'm saying? Sometimes I know it feels like that our prayers are bouncing off the ceiling. But I want you to know something today. God hears our cry. And I want to remind you something just real quick. 
that there was a Pharaoh who rose up who knew not Joseph. And sometimes we think that they were in bondage for 400 years and, and that was it. But they weren't in bondage for 400 years. There was a Pharaoh. You know what that means? That means that God seen what they were going through. Amen. That means that God heard their cries. And this is what it says in verse 8. And I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land unto a good land, unto a large, unto a land flowing with milk and honey. And I love that he said, I've come down. I didn't send an angel. I didn't send my son. Amen. Amen. Our problems are so important to God. He himself will step into it if you let him. He says, I've come down to deliver them and uh, bring them up out of the land of the Egyptians. You know what? God doesn't come down just to deliver us. He wants to bring us up out of some things. And that isn't even it. He said, I'm going to take them into a good land, a large land, a land flowing with milk and honey. He doesn't just come down to bring us out. He comes down to take us in. God's got a promise for you. Amen. If you need to hear from God today, would you put your Bibles down and just and just raise your hands and ask God, we need to hear from you. Amen. God, we need you to speak to our lives today. God, we need some victory. Amen. If you need some victory, amen, will you ask God? God, we need some victory. Come on, church. If you've ever experienced victory in your life, raise your hands. Let's clap your hands at the Lord and be a testimony to those that need it. God is victorious in our life if we'll let him. God will give us victory in our life if we'll let him. God will give us victory in our circumstances if we let him. Come on, somebody. Let's praise him for just a moment. Let's press in. God, we want to see you move today. God, we need to see you move in our lives. God, we need to see you move in our circumstances and our situations. In the name of the Lord. In the name of the Lord. Amen. I feel like God's going to do something today. Is that all right? Amen. Won't you be seated in the presence of God? Thank you, Jesus. Knocked down, but not knocked out. And I want to look at a few more scriptures here. And I've already talked to pastor about how long I should go. And he said, don't worry, go three, four hours if you want to. <laughs> so I've taken it upon myself to call every restaurant in a 20-mile radius and let them know, hey, listen, we're going to be a little late today. Don't let the Baptists eat everything. We'll be there in just a little while. Don't worry. Amen. So don't worry. We'll be all right. Exodus 34, verse 5 says this, and the Lord descended in the cloud. And so we've got a couple of different languages here. It's, it's our, our, our statements. God came down. It says he came down to deliver them. And here it says he descended. He came down again in a cloud. And it says this, and he stood with him there and he proclaimed the name of the Lord. Amen. I love that when God shows up and starts declaring who he is. Amen. And I think that sometimes I appreciated Brother Osborne's message this morning. But you know what? What keeps us from from walking in and 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 just living in the the kingdom of God? It's our own understanding of who God is, what God's expectations are. Amen. So here he is. God he proclaimed his own name. And I know sometimes we come to uh, to the kingdom, to church, to our circumstances with our own understanding of who God is. But maybe maybe you ought to take a step back and just say, God, who are you? Amen. Who can you be in this situation? And let God declare who he is. Amen. Verse 6. And the Lord passed by before him and he proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth. You know what's happening here? 
He's not just proclaiming what his name is. He's proclaiming what the attributes are that are associated with his name. He's a good God. He's a merciful God. He's a patient God. Amen. If, if you'll give God an opportunity, amen, he'll re- reveal that in your own life. Amen. God's got a plan and a purpose for you. And guess what? That plan and purpose, amen, is saturated with God's mercy and kindness. And let me remind you, this is the second time that Moses came up on the mountain. The first time was in Exodus chapter 19 and 20. And while God came down on the mountain and everybody heard his voice and God began to declare some things that were not welcome in the place where he was trying to take them. Murder's not welcome there. Hallelujah. Adultery's not welcome there. Lying and stealing is not welcome there. Amen. Aren't you thankful that God's got a place where we don't have to worry about someone creeping in our back door, stealing our stuff? Amen. God's got a plan. Amen. For peace. Amen. And holiness and righteousness. Well, I'm, I'm thankful that that stuff is not welcome there. But the people, they're hearing the voice of God. And they say, hold on a second, Moses, in Exodus 20. And they say, we are, we're hearing the voice of God. We don't want to do that. We'll die. And Moses says, hold on a second. Don't do that because God's come down to prove you. And I think that sometimes we think that God's proving and testing is to see what we are made of, what we're made of. But God already knows that we're dust. God already knows that we ain't got the sense he gave a goose. God already knows that we're going to make mistakes. Amen. God already knows that as soon as he tells us, we're going to try to take control over it like it's ours and make a mess out of it. Amen. But that didn't stop him. Amen. God already knew that the people were going to reject him when he brought him out of Egypt. But you know what? He brought him out of Egypt anyway. Amen. God already knew the people were going to reject him. Amen. When he brought him out of that house of bondage. But he brought him out of the house of bondage anyway. Amen. He split the Red Sea and he brought him down and he gave him one of the greatest revelations known in the Bible when he came down to Mount Sinai. And God did that anyway, even though he knew he was going to be rejected. And I think that we think that God brings us through these situations to see what we're made of, but God already knows. God brings us through these situations not so that we can know what we're made of, but so we can know what he's made of. Amen. And that didn't even stop him. You know, God knew that even though God was going to reveal himself that way, the people were going to make the golden calf anyhow. And so they did. They went up and make it and then had the audacity to say that these are the gods that brought you out of Egypt. And you know what you would think? You would think that that God would be so upset about that, that he would just say, you know what, Moses, I'm going to destroy him and start over. And there's a little bit of a conversation between God and Moses, and I love it. And, and, and God tells Moses, these are your people. You Go get your people. And Moses wisely said, no, God, these are your people. And I think about that within the terms of a, of a, a spousal spat, right? Me and my wife are arguing about the dog. When the dog does bad, she's going to be like, you better go get your dog. But when the, wife, when the dog does good, she's like, oh, that's my puppy, same thing with our kids. You better go get your kids. Hold on a second. But when they do right, oh, those are my kids. Hallelujah. And so there's this, there's, there's this dynamic between God and Moses, and it looks like a lover's spat or a spousal spat. But the problem is, is that this thing goes a little bit deeper than that. Because you know what men, men do? Men want judgment for, for whatever reason. When people wrong us, we want God to do something about it. And usually we're not asking God to forgive them and anoint them and lift them up. We're asking God to pour fire on them. We want to rain fire from heaven. We, we want judgment on them. We want destruction on them. And you know what? The reason is, is because we think that that's the way God is with us whenever we make a mistake. 
We expect God just to rain judgment and punishment on us. And so that's where we're at. And, you know, when God and Moses are having this conversation, God says, hold on, go get your people. And, and, and Moses says, wait a minute, God, these are your people. And so Moses wisely puts them back in the hands of God. And when Moses goes down and deals with the people, God comes knocking on Moses' tent and says, Moses, why don't you come back up here and make these tablets and come back up here. I want something I'll show you. And Moses comes up there to the mountain and God comes down again. And he starts declaring, Moses, this is who I am. I'm merciful. I'm gracious. Amen. I'm, I'm, I'm a long-suffering. I'm a patient. I'm full of goodness and truth. Verse 7, keeping mercy for thousands. I love that word, keeping, because in Hebrew it's shomer. He's a, a guardian and a protector of mercy. That's what shomer is. He's a guardian. And you go to Israel today and you see soldiers there on the street. They're called shomerim because they're guardians. So that's who God is. He's a guardian. He's standing guard over his mercy. Forgiving iniquity, transgression, and sin. And every single word for sin right there in Hebrew is, 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 is listed. And so what God is saying, I, I give even the smallest things even to the greatest things. And it continues. And will by no means clear the guilty. And I love that because it's, it's there in italics. And the English doesn't do this part very much justice, but the Hebrew is clear because what he's saying is, is that I'm so great in mercy that anyone who is guilty of any of these sins is not able to escape my mercy. And we don't look at God that way. We look at God as like we do something wrong. We're not going to be able to escape his judgment. But here he's saying, I'm so good and kind and loving and, and gracious that anyone who sins is not going to be able to escape my mercy. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children until the third and fourth generation. And I love that because, you know, it's interesting. Peter said it like this, for the promises unto you and to your. And so we think of that as a New Testament concept, but it's not just a New Testament concept. It's a God concept. Amen. And I know sometimes we think that we've got these generational curse, like uh, I'm, I'm an alcoholic, so therefore my kids are alcoholics. I'm a drug addict, so therefore my kids are going to be drug addicts. I was sexually abused, therefore I'm going to sexually abuse. That's what statistics say. But here, this is what this says. This Bible says, and God says, that, that, that anyone that is guilty of sin is not going to be able to escape. And so even when the parents make mistakes, the children don't have to. You know what that means for you as being a child? Amen. That just because your family and your parents made mistakes doesn't mean that you have to continue living in that mess. You can partake in the greatness and goodness and the mercies of God. Let me, it matters what you believe about God. If you, if you don't think that he's going to hear you, if you don't think that he's willing to do anything about it, you ain't going to reach out to him. You ain't going to cry out to him, especially if you made some mistakes. But if you know that he's full of mercy, and if you know that he's full of grace and you know that he's full of restoration and you know he's got a plan to prosper you, amen, to help you, to lift you up and not to tear you, he'd be the first one you cry out to. He'd be the first one that you run to. If you knew that grace was what you were going to get and mercy was what you were going to get, that'd be the first place that you would run. And so it matters what you believe about God. And so God's saying here, I'm going to visit the sins of the fathers upon the children, upon the children's children, not with judgment. The context here is mercy. He's going to visit their mercy. And look what happens here. Verse 8. 
And Moses made haste, and he bowed his head towards the earth, and he worshiped. Let me remind you that Moses didn't bow down and worship at the burning bush. He didn't bow down and worship when he went into Egypt and did all those miracles. Other people did, but he didn't. You know, he didn't bow down when the Red Sea split. He didn't even bow down when God came down on top of the mountain in Exodus 19.10. But when God came down in the midst of a people who rejected him, after all that God done for them, and he said, listen, Moses, I've got a plan. I've got a purpose. I didn't come down just to bring them out. I've come down to take them in. Amen. And there's no mistake that they can make. I mean, there's nothing. There's no devil. There's no spirit. There's no God of the Egypt. There's nothing. Nothing that's going to stop me from doing what I want to do in their life. And that revelation of God's grace and his mercy that came from God himself was so powerful that Moses couldn't help himself. He made haste and he bowed himself to the earth. And he worshiped. That's what the revelation of God does. Pastor could be up here preaching until he's blue in the face for 20 years and never convince anyone to move anywhere. But in one twinkling of an eye and, and, and just a brief moment in the presence of Almighty God, God can bring a heart into subjection. Amen. Not with his judgment. Amen. Not, not with him standing over a stick. Who in here could say, you know what, God beat me into submission? No, it was his grace and mercy when we didn't deserve it. That's what brought our heart into subjection. It's the, it's the kindness of God that leads to repentance. It's what Paul says. And so I'm telling you, if you've got something you need from God, let me tell you, there's no mistake that you could have made that would rob what God has for you out of your life. Numbers chapter 14, verse 15. I'm going to read a couple verses real quick. He says this, now if thou shalt kill all these people as one man, then the nations which heard the fame of thee will speak, saying, because the Lord was not able to bring this people into the land which he sware unto them, therefore he had slain them in the wilderness. And let me remind you that this is where the spies went in and, and 12 of them came out, 10 of them with a bad report, 2 of them with a good report. And the people believed the ten with the bad report and decided that they were going to stone Moses and go back in Egypt. And God says, hold on a second, I'm going to destroy all of them because they're leaving what I have planned for them. And Moses says, hold on a second, you can't do that. If you destroy everybody as a man, the, the, the nations with no of you are going to say you were able to bring them out, but you weren't able to take them in. Verse 17, and now I beseech thee, let the power of my Lord be great according as thou hast spoken, saying, The Lord is long-suffering and full of great mercy, forgiving iniquity, transgression, and sin, and by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children until the third and fourth generation. Verse 19, Pardon, I beseech thee, the iniquity of these people, according to the greatness of thy mercy. And as thou hast forgiven his people from Egypt even until now. And the Lord said, I have pardoned according to thy word. But as truly as I live, all of the earth shall be full of the glory of the Lord. You know what Moses just did there? Moses took the revelation of God that he had, that God revealed to him, and he used it to save the people's life when they were getting ready to walk away from God. Overlooking the promised land, and said, now, nah, I don't think so. And I made that statement that God has mercy on the kids, even if the parents don't want to. 
But if you know this story, God says, hold on, I pardoned according to your word. And the, kid, the, the parents died in the wilderness, but the kids were able to go into the promised land. And don't hinder what God wants to do in your children's life. God's got a plan. I don't want to talk to you a little bit about my testimony. And that means I've got eight minutes. Hallelujah. Do you mind if I have just 10 minutes after 12, 10 after 12? Is that okay? <clears throat> the, the restaurants will be waiting, I promise. <laughs> the truth is, is that I haven't always been blind. I had a meth lab blow up on me when I was 20. I was cooking dope, doing drugs, and someone handed me a container that blew up about 18 inches below my face. So that's how I lost my sight. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. I thank God that that day wasn't payday. And you would think that that would be enough to make me stop using drugs, but the truth is it wasn't. Because that's how addiction is. Addiction will take you further than you ever intend for it to go. It'll cost you more than you were ever willing to pay. Amen, it doesn't care. Amen, that's just the way that it is. And you know what? I, I just kept on using drugs because I didn't know any better. And the next thing you know, I get busted. My mom called the drug task force on me. Best thing that she ever did. Had me arrested, and I was looking at 45 years in prison in Illinois. I was lucky I only got six. Went to prison as a blind man, ended up getting out of there, went to Indiana. Married the girl that we were both in a drug addiction, and, and, uh, and not this wife. Just be clear. But we tried to come to Indiana and start over. We had a couple of kids. And the truth is, I was home alone with my kids and, and, and even while my wife went to work one day. And, and I sat down in a chair right next to my daughter. And when I did, I sat on the bottom part of her leg. And before I knew it, I was being arrested for battery on a minor and neglected dependent. And what I was being accused of was picking my daughter up by her feet and smashing her head off a coffee table. I know, it's very vulgar. But my testimony is real. And it's embarrassing. And the reason why I tell it so real is because, one, I don't want you to fill in the blanks with your own imagination. That's number one. Number two is that we're real people. And people make real mistakes. Amen. People have real messed up lives. But God is a good God. Amen. He's a merciful God. Amen. And he hears our cries. And he, he knows what we're going through. And I want you to know. Amen, that there ain't a mess that you can get into that God isn't big enough to get you out of. And so, we, we, you know, I'm, I'm arrested, and, and at the hospital, they diagnosed her with a small fracture in her leg. But out of nowhere, another doctor said that she had a skull fracture, and another doctor said she had bruises and scratches on her face. And, and then as her leg fracture was a spiral, and I had no idea what was happening. And I ended up arrested and, and, and looking at 40 years in prison for a crime, crime that I wasn't even capable of committing. And, 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 and my grandma called her up, and she said, don't take no plea bargain. The lady across the street's praying for you, and, uh, you know, and, and here's a paid attorney, and we had the paid attorney, and he's, he did. He talked me into signing a plea bargain. I agreed to do 15 to 20 years in prison for staying home alone with my kids blind. And I went back to my cell, and I didn't know any better, but that's all I prayed was, God, if this isn't what you want to happen, don't let it. That was all it was. The next thing you know, I'm going back to court. They're taking a plea bargain off the table. They're taking me to trial to give me every bit of the 40 years. And months went by. We, the attorney said, there's no way you're going to win. We fired him. 
Amen. If you have got an attorney and there's no way you're going to win, you might want to find one who will fight for you. Amen. We fired that joker, sent him on down the road. And then, you know, I don't know what you do when you go to jail, but I cry. And I'm depressed, especially, especially when I'm arrested for something I didn't do. And so I'm crying, and, 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 and I'm on the verge of suicide. And I, I was like, God, I heard that you wouldn't put anything more on us than what we could bear, but this is too much for me. And I just had this thought, go tell your wife. Call your wife and tell her goodbye. And as I was on the phone telling my wife goodbye, a couple of preachers walked through the door. Jail chaplains, never been there before, been there eight, nine months. And then here they are saying, hey, does anybody need to talk? And I know sometimes that we think that we've got to be this great evangelist in order to do outreach and and things like that, but that ain't true. That's all they did was to say, hey, does anybody need to talk? And I'm like, yeah, I do. So we went into my cell, and, they, and I told them my story. And, <clears throat> and they're like, Matt, we don't know what happened, but we know a God who does. And then there ain't nothing that we can do to help you, but we know a God who can. And they began to pray for me. And I wish I could tell you that I felt, you know, something powerful. I didn't feel anything. I wish I could tell you that the doors open and I walked out of the jail the next day like it happened for Paul and Silas, but that didn't happen for me. But the thing that did change is that it didn't feel like I was alone anymore. And these guys kept coming in and doing Bible studies with me. And, and the more I did the Bible studies, the more I get, began to, to see a pattern, a pattern of people that were in some sort of situation somehow, some way. And they would call upon the name of the Lord. And God would somehow, some way, send some sort of salvation into their life, into their circumstances. And so that's where I was at. I'm like, God, you know, I'm in my cell. Months had went by. I'd been there for 14 months at that time. And, and I'm like, God, you know the truth. I'm not even capable of doing what these people said that I did. Will you help me? If you're a savior, will you, will you save me? If you're a deliverer, God, will you deliver me? And the Bible says that you say, you, you, you declare the guilty innocent. But what will you do for the innocent, God? We have mercy on me. And as I'm crying out to the Lord, I hear an audible voice, you guys, and it said, go get the medical records. Freaked me out. I said straight up, and, and, and knew that knowing that I had heard the voice of God, I called my wife, and she went and got the medical records, and we found out what happened. The hospital said she had a small fracture in her leg, no cast, no splint, no treatment whatsoever, except for over-the-counter motion. They said that she was so young, it would heal on its own. The, the, the orthopedic surgeon who diagnosed, who diagnosed her with a skull fracture did so without ever looking at any x-rays. He didn't even take any x-rays of her head. The family doctor wrote in his report that he never looked at the x-rays either, that he went by what the foster parent had said. And later on, we found out what happened. The foster parent was trying to adopt our kids. And so she went from doctor to doctor telling them that she had injuries that she didn't have. That's what happened to me. The, the, the situation that I went through happens to folks on TV. But the miracle that took place in my life happens to people in the Bible. Amen. And it happens to people today who, who cry out upon the name of God and, and, and expect him and ask him to step into their situation somehow, some way. Let me tell you something. God knows what you're going through. God knows the afflictions that you're facing. He knows the difficulties and challenges, amen, that you're going through. And if you'll cry out to him, I'm telling you, God hears your voice. And if you'll let him, he'll bring you out of it. 
And, you know, I got out and, I mean, I went to that Pentecostal church. Let me just tell you something. Y'all are crazy. Every last one of you talking in tongues and running back and forth and raising your hands and shouting. I didn't know what none of that was about until God filled me with the Holy Ghost. Amen. And I remember, you know, being free from drugs. I didn't have a desire. You know, I didn't want to use drugs anymore, but I always had to fight that taste. The taste of alcohol, the taste of, of the narcotics, you know. And I appreciate AA and NA, but, but AA and NA didn't really do anything for the taste. But when God filled me with the Holy Ghost, they, amen, the taste was gone. You know what that meant? That means that God set me free on the inside. Amen, he just doesn't do it on the outside. He'll do it on the inside. God's got a plan and a purpose for you. Amen, God's got some victory for your life. God's got some deliverance for your life. Amen. God's got some purpose for your life. And then, then, then God called me to Israel. And he woke me up in the middle of the night and told me, he said, get up and worship. I'm like, okay. And I put my little headphones on and was worshiping the Lord. And God came down into my room. And that was the first time the presence of God actually came into my home like he did at church. I'm telling you, you can turn your house into a sanctuary if you want to. The Spirit of God will fill your house, amen. He'll be in your bedroom if you let him. He'll be in your prayer closet if you let him. He'll be in your family if you let him. He'll be in your community if you take him. And so he calls me. He says, listen, I'm calling you to Israel. You're going to be like Paul. You're going to go in and out of the, the Jewish community. I'm giving you an international ministry and, and all this. Other. I'm like, wow, thank you, Jesus. Be it unto me according to your word. Then I went to church and made the biggest mistake I ever made in church. You know what I did? I went, I went to church and told all my friends what God said the night before. You know, and I say it that way because sometimes folks in church don't support us the way that we think that they should. And by the time the lion told the monkey and the monkey told the bear, a man pastor is calling me in his office. Now, I don't know about you, but I love going to pastor's office. I do. We're, going, we're drinking Diet Cokes. We're going to Haciendas. We're laughing. We're joking. Amen. If y'all don't go to Haciendas with Pastor, y'all better do something about that. Tell them, Pastor, we need to go to the Hacienda. I love going to Pastor's office when it's on my terms. But when he's the one that's making the appointment, and you know you're really in trouble when he bypasses the appointment and says, listen, Brother Matt, we, we need to talk. I'll see you in my office after church. And we went in there, and we we just been to talk, and, you know, it, it got to, hey, well, here's the issue, Matt. I hear you think you're an apostle. You ain't. I hear you think you're one of the two witnesses. You ain't. I hear you think you're going to have the greatest revival the world's ever known. You ain't. And I'm thinking, I have no idea. What, what's an apostle? I'd only been in church for two months. What's a two witnesses? You even know what a two witnesses is? And I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. I never said any of that. Well, Matt, I need to make sure you're okay. Are you, are you, are you sure you're not using drugs? Are you sure you're not fasting too much? And I'm thinking, if I'm fasting too much, hallelujah, where's the fried chicken? Hey, Amen, I'm hungry. And he said this, Matt, are you sure that you don't have a mental illness? I know. Well, it was rough that day. 
And you know what? I, 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 I had a choice, and I didn't realize that I had a choice, but I had a choice. I could have answered that in a couple of different ways. I could have been like, well, you know what, Pastor? I guess you can't see the anointing that's on my life. I guess you can't see the call of God on my life. And you know what? Since you can't see none of that, I guess you're the blind guy in this situation. I could have did that. I didn't know you could have did that, but I could have did that. And, and, and the reason why I didn't know you could do that is because I hadn't been in church long enough to know you could do that. And that's what happens sometimes, man. We get to the, in church and we hear from God and we think, well, and the enemy wants to come in and just try to cause division. And it's, it's over really over something we just don't understand. But thank God I didn't have enough sense to know any better. Hallelujah. And so I told pastor, listen, pastor, I'm not doing any drugs. God delivered me. Hallelujah. Amen. And maybe I am fasting too much, but if I am, where is that chicken? And if I do got a mental illness, will you help me? Because I need help. And so as we begin to have this conversation, you know, it went from, you know, I, I got the opportunity for myself to tell him what my testimony was. And what my experience was. And I told him, I said, here's the problem. And I told him exactly what God did. Same thing I just told you. And I said, here's the problem. He said, what's the problem? I said, the problem is it was the same voice that was in the jail cell. And that was the first time that he got to hear about my testimony of what took place in the jail cell. And so I told him. And I said, the problem is, is that the voice in the jail cell was right. The voice in the jail cell told me where the evidence was that literally set me free. And what am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to believe God? Does God not bring people out of captivity? Does he not open the eyes of the blind? Does he, does he not deliver? Does he not, amen, put a testimony in someone's mouth? I mean, does he not clean up a mess and then, in someone's life and then use them as a testimony of his power? And it wasn't snotty. It was just saying, hey, this is why I believe God. What am I supposed to do? And you know what pastor said? He said, Matt, let's see what God will do. And, and, and it, I don't know about you, but I thank God for wise apostolic leadership. I thank God for a great pastor. Amen. And we need a pastor in our life. I, and be honest with you, I've been doing this for 16, 17 years now. I've never seen anybody be successful in walking with God and even answering the call of God by going around their pastor. God always brings them up and through. And let me tell you something. You know, I guess where I'm at today, I'm in Israel. And when I got to Israel, I, I went to Indiana Bible College, got a bachelor's degree, and then from there, God told me to prepare for a Ph.D. I went from there and went and got a master's degree in, in the New Testament in, in the United States. Then God told me to go to Israel, and I went to Israel by myself. There was no one there to help me. The missionaries were not there at that time. And then so I get there, and I land at the airport, and then I go to the hotel, learn my way around the hotel, then to the university, learn my way around the university, find an apartment, and learn my way back and forth. And I'm telling you, it was not easy. Amen. But God knew that I was blind when he called me. He didn't stop him from calling. Amen. And I knew that I was blind when I answered. didn't stop me from answering. And here's what I want you to know real quick. Amen. Your weakness in the hands of a mighty God is more powerful than you have any idea. Amen. And so that's what I did. And while I was there, I had no idea, but I found out that I was Jewish. I had no idea. And then when the rabbis found out, they brought me into a rabbi school. So now I've got us working on a second master's degree and I'm in a rabbi school at the same time. At this point, I've been in a rabbi school for six years. Got another degree because that's what God chose me to use to keep me in Israel. 
And then now I'm working on a PhD. You know why God chose to take me through education? Because I was convinced, and so was everybody else, that man was not going to appoint, the UPC was not going to appoint a blind guy as a missionary. So God chose another way. And I never went around, but we went through. And, and I'm telling you, they told me, Matt, you'd never get a license. Guess who's licensed? They told me, Matt, you'd never be appointed as a missionary. Guess who appointed me as a missionary? They said, Matt, you'll never be ordained. Guess who's ordained? Hey, Matt, you'll never start a church in Israel. Guess who started a church? Matt, you'll never get that level of education. Guess who's got this level of education? Here's what I'm telling you. God's got a plan. He's got a purpose. Amen. And all the education and victories that I've got, amen, it's been since God has brought me out. Here's what I'm telling you. He doesn't just bring you out. He, he, he brings you out and he takes you in. And I haven't been perfect. <clears throat> Spoiler alert. No one is. We all make mistakes. But I'm telling you, God knows how to do it. God's got a plan. He's got a purpose for you. It's 12.09. I could tell you a couple more stories. But would you stand with me? We started a Bible school. They said, Matt, there's no way you're going to be able to do that. We got it. We got a couple of students and the, the district in Israel is in a better place now it's ever been. I'm the only missionary that's, that's, uh, that's got citizenship. And uh, my sweet wife, you know, the first wife that I had left me when I first came to church. She didn't want to have anything to do with God. You know, and the thing is, is that when you first come to church, you think it's, well, it's supposed to get better. Sometimes it gets worse before it gets better. But it's not getting worse. I mean, God's just cleaning out a bigger mess. How, how many of you clean your house? And when you really start cleaning it, I mean, it's a big mess. You move this and you move this, you stack it. Hey, Amen. it gets worse before it gets better, doesn't it? Hey, Amen. But that's how it is sometimes with living for God. It's not getting worse. It's just getting more detailed. It's getting more refined. Hey, Amen. And so my wife, when I first got into church, she didn't have anything to do with God. She left. And I thought God was going to heal my marriage, and he didn't. And then after the divorce took place, I just thought, well, God, I guess I'll be single. I had no idea that God would give me another wife that happened to be my kids' Sunday school teacher. And then we just got married in February, and, and, and we're really excited about what God is doing. God's got a plan and a purpose. Kim, will you come up here and help me? Music, if you want to come. God's got a plan, and he's got a purpose in, for your life. Amen. We're not too old. We're not too young. Amen. Amen. I was only in church a couple months when God called me to Israel. And I wish I could tell you just story after story of how I think we, we think it's from mountaintop to mountaintop, but it's not. It's valleys. It's challenges. It's, it's experiences. But you know what it is more than that? It's revelation of God. Amen. God knows what we're made of. He knew that I was blind. He knew that I was going to make mistakes. He knew that it was going to be difficult. Amen. But God did it not to reveal what I'm made of. To reveal what he's made of. You know why I'm so successful? Because I can't take any credit for what he's done. He's the one who does it. So I hope your hope isn't in me today. I hope your hope is in the almighty God. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. 
We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.